0: An explanation of Benefits, a patient podcast. Join J.R. Clark and Dr. J. Moore as they explore the complex intersection of healthcare and insurance. Whether you're not sure about the difference between a premium and a deductible, or looking for expert insights on the future of employee benefits, everyone can use an explanation of benefits. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. J. and J.R. Well, hi everybody. This is Jay Moore from the Explanation of Benefits podcast. This is our fourth episode of this podcast. I am the Chief Clinical Officer of Patient and I'm joined once again today by my colleague and good friend JR Clark. Hey JR. Hey Jay.
1: How you doing? Doing great. Happy to be here for another episode.
0: Another episode of EOB. Can you believe we've done four episodes after this? Like this is uh you know, this is a, a milestone. You, you know how many podcasts there are that they celebrate episode four, you know, big red carpet to do um, for episode four. I, I bet you
1: didn't know that. Oh, I absolutely did. I mean, that's why they brought the uh, food table and all the extra amenities for this production today.
0: That's right. We get even more amenities than what we normally get at these podcasts with our excellent producers, Ryan and Morgan, um, making sure to take good care of us uh, as we as we get through this. So, so Jr. you know, I, I just wanted to mention something, you know, after episode three, you know, we got a lot of uh, listener mail from our thousands and thousands of subscribed listeners. And there was one topic on everybody's mind, and that was the uh, the topic of Crab's Rangoon. Everybody wanted to know about the plural of crab ragoon and uh, wanted to know, like, what what is
1: this with crabs? Did, did, did you have any idea that this would generate such controversy? Uh, I, I figured it would. I mean, as much controversy as the whole thing of who, you know, is pie better or cake better? Oh, well, we're not even going to get into that, JR. We're trying to keep this uncontroversial. That was our
0: one of our founding principles in our vision statement.
1: <laughs> so. Have you found out what the real plural of crab Rangoon is? Well, I there are three opinions as far as I can tell. Uh, there is opinion
0: number one, which is what I'm going to call the actual logical opinion, which is that it is crab Ragoons, that one would pluralize the second word in the food. The second opinion is that crab is a plural of itself, um, kind of like a beef. Like if you were to have two steaks, you wouldn't say I had a couple of beefs. Um, so that the plural of crab ragoon is just crab ragoon. Uh, again, you wouldn't have like, you know, you you had a couple of, of halibut on your plate. You don't say I had some halibuts. You just say I had some halibut. So crab ragoon is its own plural, but the third, and this is a theory that is brought forward by my wife. Um, and, uh, that theory is that it's like attorney's general. And that um, actually crabs rangoon is the appropriate
1: plural. And th- I, this is what I'm going with
0: crabs rangoon.
1: So I'm way beyond my linguistics here, if that's the right word. But couldn't you say that the crab portion of this is like an adjective to describe what kind of rangoon? In which I, I mean- case.
0: You know, JR, once again, this is very controversial. I think we just better leave this topic behind um, before people start getting angry and sending us massively <laughs> hateful emails. Uh, so, why don't we just jump right back into a very uncontroversial topic, which is health insurance?
1: Sounds good because I mean, nobody ever argues over anything right. related I've to health insurance. I've
0: never heard a single argument about health insurance and how it should be structured. So, it's good that we picked this very vanilla topic um, to discuss. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully, though, the topics that we're getting into today are not very controversial because today we're going to be talking about the way that insurance companies segment their business. And there are really two big areas where they do this. It's government versus commercial business. And then we're going to talk for a little while in the commercial space, the various types of business that they have and and how insurance companies split this up and how they look at the world. Um, I think this is very interesting because understanding how payers think probably helps a lot of us understand some of the decisions that they make. And for anyone who's listening who might be looking to partner with or work with an insurance company, understanding how they're
1: structured can be really useful intelligence as well. Right. And then even to add to that, Jay, I think the other thing is that the types of insurance are partitioned because of the type of purchaser. The type of purchaser may have a different mentality. Like, for example, an individual purchasing insurance might think differently than a group that is looking to purchase insurance for all their employees, I think that follows suit with it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's good. I think it's a, a really good way of uh, of thinking about this. So let's let's jump in and let's talk first of all about the big split that happens at insurance companies, modern insurance companies, and we're talking the the big guys, right? So when we think about the uh, the big insurance companies, like what what would you consider to be Jr. the the big ones, the the companies that that probably are most on people's mind when they're thinking of health insurers.
1: Well, obviously, like the Blue Cross Blue Shield plan. So the blues, United, Humana, Cigna, you know, Centene, all of the Aetna's, the major insurers across the country. All right. And of those companies, most of
0: them, not all the ones that you mentioned, but most of them have both government and commercial business. So what do we mean by that when we say government business versus commercial business? How how does the layperson
1: distinguish between those types of business? And so, in general, government business is really either administered or overseen by the government. So, you think of this as Medicare and Medicaid, essentially, versus commercial business is you know, purchased by employers or individuals through a private insurance company.
0: And when you say Medicare and Medicaid, I, I realize we've got a lot of different people listening to this. So, let's just level set and explain what those are. So, Medicare, which one is
1: Medicare? That one is for who? Medicare is for seniors. So, age 65, you pay in throughout your life and you get a benefit when you retire. And
0: Medicare, I think Medicare covers some people who are not necessarily seniors as well. Is that right?
1: Right. That's correct. So, it's senior citizens and then folks with disabilities as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So, senior citizens and people with disabilities. And that's funded by the federal government. Uh, it's a federal program run by a, a part of the government called CMS, the Center
1: for Medicare Services.
0: And then Medicaid, by contrast, what is what is Medicaid?
1: So Medicaid is based on income. So it's an insurance plan for folks below a certain uh, level of income. And that is actually a it's it's kind of a, a mix of federal and state based. It's essentially a state based program, but with federal ties to it. And Jay, I know that you've probably had a lot of event more interaction even than I have in terms of how all this works in this side of business. I don't know if there's anything you've experienced that's worth sharing on that side.
0: Yeah. So, you know, in in the medical management world and just in working in uh, the clinical side of health insurance, um, we did a lot of business with both Medicare and Medicaid. And I guess, um, you know, thinking about big insurance companies and how this all works out with, with Medicare, the way that the insurance companies are working is through the Medicare Advantage program. And essentially, what that means is that Medicare business can be uh, split up between traditional Medicare, which is something that anybody can get, that's funded directly by the government and really managed directly by the government through some intermediaries that we're not really going to get into. But but it's essentially just the government itself running the program. It is a fairly loosely managed program, and what I mean by that is that the networks tend to be pretty broad and open. Uh, anybody can participate. As a Medicare provider, so if you are a doctor or a hospital or a physical therapist or whatever, you can just sign up and um, do some paperwork, and you can be a Medicare provider and start seeing patients and then billing Medicare for those uh, services that you're doing. And we'll get into networks later on, but but really the idea here is that Medicare is a big, broad network. By contrast, Medicare Advantage is a narrower network. That is a, a product that's administered by insurance companies. And what they're doing in a Medicare Advantage program is they're signing people up to take their version of Medicare, and it's still funded by the government, but it's administered and run by a private insurance company. So like United or Anthem or Humana or someone like that could sell you a Medicare Advantage plan that would take the place of your traditional Medicare. And there might or might not be some extra costs. Usually there are not any extra costs. Um but the uh, the plan is actually run by the insurance company. You generally get some additional benefits in that case. So they might add on some extra things that you get, maybe a gem membership or uh, hearing aid coverage, which actually is not covered by traditional Medicare, that that sort of thing.
1: Um, so you're, you're probably familiar with that, with Medicare Advantage. Is that right, JR? Yeah. And actually, probably worth stepping back for a second to know, because you hear on commercials all the time, you know, Medicare Part A, Medicare Part B, Medicare Part D, and you know, really the basis of all of it is that, you know, Medicare Part A is covering your hospital insurance for when you need to go into the hospital. Medicare Part, D, Part B is covering things like your doctor or outpatient surgeries, uh, supplies, those kinds of things. And Medicare Part D is prescription drug coverage.
0: So you, you
1: mentioned A, B, and D. Is there a C? Well, so part C is the med advantage is usually what's referred to as the med advantage side for what you're talking about. And what I guess just the reason I bring this up, Jay, is because what a lot of med advantage plans do is they combine part A, part B and part D all into one plan together. And the reason that insurance companies are doing this is because they can
0: make a lot of money doing it. Uh, They get a set rate from the government for each member that they sign on. And as long as they can manage the cost at below that rate, while also providing all of the obligations, so there are a lot of things that they have to cover. And as long as they can do that, then they, you know, there's a there's an amount that they collect in excess of what they're actually spending to take care of of these members, and that's profit for them. Um, very tightly regulated. Obviously, they don't want care to be withheld um, or people to not get what they need to get. But even given that that tight
1: regulation
0: there's a lot of profitability that these companies can make in the government business.
1: Yeah. Somebody explained it to me a long time ago. They said, and I don't know how direct this is, so it's a little bit loose to take it for what it's worth. But uh, he said, you know, when you think about Medicare advantage, think of it as private insurers can usually do health insurance more efficiently than what a, like a giant government entity can do. And so, what the government entity basically does is, says, hey, we were planning on spending X amount for this health insurance coverage for seniors. And if you can do it for cheaper, go for it. But we're not going to let you pocket all that excess as profits. So you have to put some of that back as extra benefits for folks. And that gets back to what you're talking about with hearing aid coverage, gym memberships. I think that was it silver sneakers. I remember seeing yeah, silver yeah. sneakers all yeah. you know a long time ago, like repeatedly. So. There's these extra benefits that get added in for folks that purchase those plans.
0: And I think we'll, we'll spend an episode talking a lot more about Medicare Advantage and really specifically how that works. So that's a good intro. Uh, Medicaid, on the other hand, is state funded, and that is more for people that have lower incomes. Um, and that's done on a state by state contracted basis. And so the way that that works is that a state will say, again, similar to, to Medicare, there is straight Medicaid, which means that it is being funded and administered directly by the state. And then there's managed Medicaid, uh, which is uh, an insurance company steps in and says, we'll take on the burden of managing these patients. We'll get a certain number of dollars per patient that we see as part of our plan. And then we'll manage that, uh, you know, that that person's care and hopefully make some dollars in the meantime. Those contracts with the states can also be fairly lucrative. And so insurance companies compete very heavily to contract with the government, which gives the state government then some leverage to try to drive good bargains on behalf
1: of their beneficiaries. Yeah. And I guess just for the the folks listening to note, it's probably worth note saying what the size of these markets are. So I think we have somewhere around 60 million people in the country that are on Medicaid plans. And we have about 60 million people that are actually on Medicare plans. And Of that 120 million, there's something like 12 to 15 million folks that are actually eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid. So we call those dual eligibles. Right. And And dual eligibles are special for insurance companies
0: because then they can actually access benefits from both programs, the Medicare and the Medicaid program. And so there's a lot of activity in, you know, I guess the healthcare tech space focusing on dual eligible members. And when you hear that, that's what that means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good explanation.
0: All right. So that's the government side of things. And we will uh, we'll talk more about government business on a later episode. But uh, let's jump into commercial Uh, for commercial business. um, Really, commercial insurance plans split up between group business, which is usually employer sponsored. So that's kind of the the health insurance that you buy from or that you get from your employer. Your employer is buying it on behalf of you and, and all the people you work with. And then individual coverage, which is a person that goes out and buys coverage from an insurance company on their own, usually uh, on the healthcare exchanges that are administered by the states. So, JR, let's dive into that a little bit and let's talk about group business. Give me some of the hallmarks of group business. Why is this an important part of business for insurance companies?
1: Well so so first off just a, a quick thing to note for employer business employer group business for insurance companies there are actually 160 million people in the country that are covered by these plans so that's basically half of Americans fall under these types of plans and so that's why it's important number one for insurers is because it's it's a big number of people that you're selling to here second reason it's important is that there's really you know if you think about a company like IBM or Boeing or Amazon have a ton of employees, there's basically one purchaser for each company that's purchasing on behalf of a bunch of people. And so effectively, it's a, you know, from an administrative cost standpoint, it's a kind of a more efficient model for an insurance company to be able to go out to an employer and sell and know that a bunch of people are going to be covered off of that because of that one sale. Right. So there's
0: a lot of economy of scale that can be attained by an insurance company and uh, making a sale to a large group, a large employer group is a big deal for these
1: insurers. Right. Right. And I think it's probably worth breaking up to just to know that when we think about how health insurance companies think about employers, they're basically kind of they break it up into kind of two pieces. There's either small employers or there's large employers. And small employers in most states are considered any employer that has two to fifty employees. In some states it's two to to ninety-nine, but but by and large it's usually two to fifty employees that that they're looked at as small employers. And then the other side is obviously large employers, so that's anything with you know fifty-one or greater employees. And and the reason this is split up usually is because, you know, back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, after our crabs rangoon or crab rangoons (laughs) talk. Um, you know, kind of the the mentality of the the buyer is a little bit different between a small employer versus a large employer. So, for example, you know, if you own Jay Moore LLC and you have four employees, like you you know those people very well, and you know what their health conditions are, you know, like what's going on in their life, and you as the employer will purchase health insurance knowing what's going on with your employees. So if you know that somebody, you know, maybe is uh, has not been feeling well or, you know, potentially has a cancer or something along those lines, you as the owner might purchase a plan that's intentionally richer in benefits because you want your employee to be, you know, to be set up for less out-of-pocket costs associated with their coverage or with, with their health uh, expenditures. Right, right. Versus if you have, you know, Jay, Jay Moore Incorporated and you have 5,000 employees, you don't know all of your employees and you don't know the health conditions of them and you don't have the personal tie. So your, your decisioning is a little bit different there. Well, and the regulations
0: between small groups and large groups are different as well, which changes the way that people think about purchasing and selling insurance products for a small group versus a large group. We talked a little bit about the medical loss ratio. So right. in groups that are small groups, those under 50 uh, employees, um, there is a medical loss ratio, which is set at uh, either 80 or 85 percent, which is it. You know, I always I always get this mixed up. Yep, 80 percent for small employers. Right. And, and just as a recap, what that means is that the dollars that are collected as premium have to mostly be spent on medical care for people that have that health insurance plan. Um, so in other words, 80% of all the dollars collected as premium has to go out the door, uh, for medical care. And so insurance companies aren't really allowed to hold on to those dollars and say, well, we'll just charge a whole lot of money and then try not to spend any of it and just keep all that money as profit. They, they, uh, are, are not actually allowed to do that. Right. That's correct. And then large group, the rules are a little bit different. Tell me about, tell me about how rules are different in large group versus
1: small group. So large group for fully insured business. So that's where the you know employer is basically paying an insurance company to take on the risk, right? Um, right. The, the insurance company has to pay out 85 cents on the dollar. So that medical loss ratio rule is 80, 85%. Right? right. And the idea behind that, you know, really is that, again, we started, we talked a little bit earlier that when you have a large employer, a whole lot of people, you have economies of scale, you have a lesser administrative cost associated with those. So therefore that's, you know, Insurer can uh, can have a higher loss ratio and still be in a, a profitable position. Got it. Okay, so th- that's group business. We have large
0: group and small group, and really, uh, according to an insurance carrier, those are the only two kinds of groups that there are. <laughs> it's either small, <laughs> has fifty or less, or large has more than fifty. So that's it. Um, now we do know that in the group business, like for real, in employee like, people do split it out further. That like people will have uh, companies will have certain. Um, administrative units that will focus exclusively on jumbo groups, you know, so those are employees maybe that are 500 employees or more, because there are different considerations when managing that type of group. Or they might have a department that's focused on national accounts. So those would be accounts where the employees are scattered out across the whole country and not really just localized in one small area. So there are lots of other ways that that uh, insurance companies might split things up. And you know departments and units and really silos inside those insurance companies that are making decisions and building products that are specifically focused toward those types of companies. Uh, then we go all the way down to the other end of the scale, which is the individual business. So that is just me. I'm purchasing insurance on my own, on my own behalf, for myself and maybe for my dependents. Um, and that's done as well. That's business that's still out there. If I'm self-employed. Um, it's just me you know maybe I I have a landscaping business or uh, you know I drive a food truck or or who knows I I, there are all sorts of businesses in the country where it's essentially one person that's running it Um, those folks need insurance too so they get insurance from the individual market so let's talk a little bit about that JR how does that work
1: yeah so today most folks who fall in that bucket purchase their individual insurance through the Affordable Care Act insurance so you'll hear about this as exchange business, or you'll hear it termed as Obamacare. I mean, there's lots of different words for it, but it's effectively, you go out and you purchase through one large pool of business within your state. And, and that's actually, you know, it's actually growing. Um, there's, there's probably, I think I saw it was like 13 to 14 million people applied for coverage through this for 2022. Um, and I think in total, the full individual market is like 18 to 20 million people. So the vast majority are buying it through the individual exchange. And, and right. by the way, I should point out to Beck, because I know you're going to ask the question. <laughs> uh, um, medical loss ratio rules for this business is the same as small group business, small employer business at, at 80%. So any insurer who sells this business has to pay 80 cents on the dollar you know, back for care for folks. And the way that the states, the, the way
0: that companies are approaching these markets is really interesting as well, because it varies extremely by state. Um, a given insurance company like a United or a Cigna or an Anthem or whoever might choose to do business on the individual market in some states, but not other states. Why do they do that? Like what, what drives that decision? How come you would have a product
1: maybe in, you know, Missouri, but not in Kansas? That's a great question. So... In general, and uh, without getting too much into the history of it. Do you think you there's another episode? This could be another episode. This could be a full episode in itself. But the, the quick thing on it is that there are obviously different demographics of folks in terms of income levels, amount of uh, cost of care. Uh, you know, Hospital systems in one state may be a whole lot more than in another state. There's lots of reasons why one carrier may choose to play in one state versus another. Uh, even down to things like the way that you would practice managing your your care you know for folks like the doctors that review care might like the rules that they have in one state might vary from another state. so you know there's different specialties for lack of better words that that each insurance company may have that fit to some states versus another.
0: It's really interesting and you know probably lots that we can unpack there and figure out on. You know, a later episode where we'll talk through that ACA market and why those decisions are happening and why the costs are what they are. But I think for today, I think we're about out of time um, talking about these different segments. And uh, Jr, any any last words before we jump off and move on to our to the
1: rest of our days? No, other than I, I'm curious to see. Well, maybe we should do like a over under amongst the group for how many times crab rangoon is going to be mentioned in the next 10 episodes oh i mean it is my favorite food
0: and so i'm gonna go with probably once an episode for the next 10 10 episodes at least but you know that's just uh if you're placing your bets that might be good information sometimes though i go crazy jr i just uh it depends on what time of day we record these if it's around lunchtime i i
1: you know i get hungry and that's all i'm thinking about well here's what we'll do we'll set the over under at 10 right now actually we'll do 10 and a half okay and we'll start seeing what folks where folks put their money.
0: All right. And and Ryan and Morgan, who are on video, you you people listening can't see them, but we can see them while we're recording. So I'm just going to ask them, like, will you guys, will you guys be, uh, we promise to be the impartial observers that let us know how many times crabs Rangoon are mentioned on the show from now on? All right. I got two thumbs up. So, well, there you have it. If, uh, you know, if you, you can have this to look forward to weekly, um, the weekly count of mentions of, kind of bad for you Chinese restaurant appetizers Um, and I I think that's what we'll roll out for today so JR thanks once again for talking with me on the uh, Explanation of Benefits podcast I will see you next time
1: thanks Jay fun as usual of course Bye bye bye